Good morning. Good to see you. Really good to see you. We uh, worship God in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways we worship is when we take what might be our security blanket, that which might challenge God for our loyalty and our security and maybe even our identity, and that is our money. And so if you're visiting here, this is, this is not for you at all. We're just so thankful you're here. We actually have a gift for you if you'd like on the way out. But to those who call this place home, to those of you that are followers of Jesus, we get to worship God by giving back to him. He doesn't need our money. He doesn't need us to give him anything. But we need to give him something so that we continue to put in practice that he is all that we need. He is everything. So I'm going to pray and ask God's blessing on our offering. Father, we thank you for all you have given us. We are immensely rich. I pray that we would not ever lose sight of that. And we ask, Lord God, that as we give back to you, whether that's electronically a check, however it might go down, Lord God, may it reflect our understanding of what you've given us. May there be a sacrifice involved, for we know that honors you and glorifies you, and that's what we want to do in our offerings. And we pray that as we give back to you, that you would use our gifts to help people that are in need and to further your kingdom. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Secondly, you have either are sitting on or you have one next to you, a little insert. And this is for our evening of mystery that's coming up here very soon. And the, the, the shows are sold out, so we're, we're excited about that. We are praying and, and hoping that, that your invitations and, and that uh, people are accepting them. I, I will say I, I got shot down this week, but I'm not deterred. Uh, and so we are opening up and having this event so that we can reach out to people in our community. And we're trying to pick something that, that they would find interesting, that on a rainy time of the year, hey, let's get out, let's go have some fun. And so we need help on the night of the event, and that's what this is for. And so would you please um, take a look at this, depending on which show you're coming to or whether you can come to a show or not. We're just, we know that, and I know that as we pray in a moment for God's blessing, that the provision is going to come from this church. It always has and it always will be. So please take some time, fill this out. You can put it in the, the boxes on your way out if you do that. I would like for us to pray, but before we do that, and what I want us to pray for are the invitations that we have extended. I want us to pray for the people that come that God will be able to get into their hearts and into their heads his immense love for them. And I don't know how that's going to go down. I don't know what Drew's going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what kind of conversations you might have with the friends that you invite before or after. I don't know if not a word's going to be uttered to them, but when they walk out, God's going to say, I just did something. And it's going to intrigue them that they might want to check out more of what they experienced on that night. And I want to pray for that. Before I do that, I want to read to you. I'm reading from this book, uh, John Mark Comer's book. This is a third book of his that I've read. It's called Practicing the Way. And this is what he says. He says, but if we curb the impulse of the Spirit deep within our spirits to go, to preach the gospel, to testify, then we will quench the Spirit in ways that will sabotage our formation and suppress our spiritual vitality. Because there is kind of a spiritual law to the universe. To possess God, we must give him away. As the missionary Frank Laubach said it, quote, I must talk about God or I cannot keep him in my mind. 
I must give him away in order to have him, close quote. Otherwise, our faith will devolve to a private, individualized coping therapy, and our spirituality will wither on the vine. This is the secret law of the kingdom. As we give him away, we, we get more of him. So I want to take just a moment, and I want us to pray. I want us to pray for the seats that are going to be filled with people that don't know God loves them immensely. I want to pray for the invitations that have been extended, and that something very special happens on that evening. So will you join me in that? Just quietly yourselves, and then I'll close this down. Father, thank you for this place that you have gifted us. That we can have opportunities like the one we're going to have in the coming weeks. To have just a wonderful show two times over. And we've got invitations out. We've got people that have said yes. And we're still waiting on some that we hope and pray will say yes. And Lord, we, we ask that you would please bless those invitations. That they will be filled. That our seats will be filled. And that people will come and that you will do something amazing that evening, much more than illusion. We pray, Lord, that it would be the beginning of heart change and life change and the ripple effect of that in homes and families and communities would spread for your glory, God. So we ask and pray for your blessing. And I know, Lord, as we seek your provision for the needs that we're going to have that evening that you're going to provide from this church family. And I pray that you would impress and prompt those to fill out these cards so that we can coordinate and plan for that evening. So that it will be a wonderful evening, Lord God, that will bring glory to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that. We are actually closing out today 1 Thessalonians. We'll start 2 Thessalonians next week. But we're going to close down the first letter that Paul wrote to people just like you and me. So uh, if you look in your table of contents, you've got an Old Testament and New Testament. And I want you to find 1 Thessalonians, which is about a third of the way down. And it sounds like my... Can you hear me? It's working? Okay. I always thought I sounded louder than that. But all right. So 1 Thessalonians. You're going to be at chapter 1. I need you to get to chapter number 5. We're going to close it out, and I'm going to actually go back to something that I said two weeks ago. Actually, I'm going to read to you a headline that I read to you two weeks ago. I find science in some ways fascinating. To understand how we're put together and how we kind of work, uh, I think it's fascinating. And I read to you this headline two weeks ago. It says, neuroscience confirms that to be truly happy, you will always need something more. And in the article, neuroscience has shown that the act of seeking more is more satisfying and, and a greater source of our happiness than the destination itself. 
So whatever we're striving after, it's the act of striving for more that is more meaningful to us than when we actually get there to whatever we're striving for. And I actually, for a moment, you probably thought I'd lost my mind. But then I shared with you that I believe that to be a biblical principle. And it just so happened to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul said this. He says, finally then, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you must walk and please God, as you are doing, do so even more. That's what he says. And so when we have science that proves in in us and the way we're hardwired to be seeking after more, the question is more of what? Where do we really find the, 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 the satisfaction, the contentment, the happiness that we think we're going to find? And, and the world does a great job of selling and offering things that are anything but pleasing to God. I suspect many of you, if not all of you, have tried some of these things, as have I. And there might be a momentary sense of, wow, that was fun. Wow, that was really meaningful. Wow, I'm, I'm really, I, I feel satisfied. It's then fleeting. Contrast that with, Paul says, and commands, knowing how we're wired, because God is speaking through Paul, and God knows exactly how he's created us, and he has created us for more. Uh, the, the, uh, I believe it's in Proverbs, says that, or Ecclesiastes, is that God has wired eternity into us. There's a sense that there's something else out there, and we go seeking it. Like I said, we, we run off in bad directions But if we seek to please God more, my friends, that's where you find the happiness and the joy and the contentment and the satisfaction that we're all striving for. And so this morning, as he finishes out this letter, Paul actually gets to doing more of more. He says, here's some more of more that as you incorporate into your life, you will find greater levels of happiness and purpose and excitement and meaning. So with that in mind, let's explore and look at what is this more of more. So I'm going to start with verse 12 of chapter 5. But before I do that, and I've been just really working on this in my own life. You have a Bible. I'm old school. I have a Bible. You have a Bible app. One of the two. But I want us for a moment. I'm going to give you just a, a moment to pause just to put your mind around this. We are reading... The word of God. The God that you see and understand exists because of creation, because of beauty, because of nature, because of many ways in which God has revealed that he is God. Wants to speak to us in ways that we understand. Now, albeit you're going to hear it through my squeaky little voice. But God wants to speak to us. So when we open up God's word and we read it, it is God speaking. So I want you just for a moment, let's just pause quietly just for a few moments. Just to get your mind around that. God bless the reading of your word, I pray. In Jesus' name. Verse 12 of chapter 5. Now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you 
and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves, and we exhort you, brothers, warn those who are irresponsible, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursues what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Brothers, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Did you hear some of the more in there? Because we're just going to kind of go right through it. But this is so important. Before we get into it, here's, here's my request of you. My plea, if I can say it that way. Please do not listen to what we're going to read and what I'm going to read and you're going to hear. Please do not listen to it religiously. Do not kick into religi religious mode. And, and the way you would do that is if, is, as you see these things, and Paul just gives a quick list. You, you, you just saw it. Boom, 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 boom. You, you, you're going to look at that list and be tempted to think, I've got to do these things and do more of these things in order to please God, in order to get God's favor. My, my friends, that's how religious people think. That is not it. That is not how you're to hear this, and it's not how you're to apply it. I'll circle back around when we get done. I just want you to listen, what are these things? Just listen for what they are. Don't worry about how to apply them yet. We'll come to that. So with that in mind, let's just go through the list, and he starts in verse 12 and 13. And here's what's really weird is I'm in an awkward spot with the two, two first verses. I don't know if you picked up on that, but I'm in an awkward spot. But... Here I go. He says, now we ask you, brothers, to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord. He's talking about spiritual leaders, of which I am one of them. Our elder team, they are spiritual leaders. Our, our directors and full-time staff are spiritual leaders. Our life group in our high school ministry are spiritual leaders. Our small group leaders in the adult ministry are spiritual leaders. Our kid zone leaders our spiritual leaders. And so Paul is talking about first what those leaders do and then what is the response, the more that he wants of those who follow to do. And so he says first about those, he says to give recognition to those who labor among you, who lead you in the Lord and admonish you. Let's talk about, I've said enough about labor. I talked about that a few weeks ago and I just want you to know, we do. The leaders that I mentioned, they labor for you. I watched them do their very best. The one little caveat I'll say for the full-time staff, and this is this, still to this day, I've been doing this for quite a while now, and people will ask, do you have, is your job full-time? Yeah, it's full-time. It's full-time. We, we I, can, I can assure you that the full-time staff works, works 40 hours and, and, and more at times. We, we, we do. We work full-time. We labor for you full-time. Can I say it that way? Okay? But then he says to lead. And Paul, or excuse me, uh, Jesus gives us a, a way in which we are to lead. That's to contrast how those who are not followers of Jesus lead. And I want you to, 
Look at Mark chapter 10 verses 42 through 45 should be up on the screen. This is Jesus' teaching. He's talking to his apostles who are spiritual leaders and he's telling them how to lead. And he says, Jesus called them over and said to them, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles dominate them and their men of high positions exercise power over them. But it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So the spiritual leaders here at High Point, what we are called to do is not to bully, not to domineer. We are to exercise servant leadership. And that is that our leadership and our decisions are with you in mind and what's best for you, not what's best for us. Now, I wish I could tell you that we've done that perfectly. I know we haven't. And it doesn't mean that we, we should not be open to your thoughts and your ways. There should be some collaboration here. But I just want you to recognize that God has entrusted you and God has given us with a stewardship responsibility as leaders to lead you, to lead you as servants, not as domineering overseers. And then he gives us this last, probably the, you ask any leader, this is their favorite part of leading. He says, to admonish you. To admonish is to warn. You see, my role as senior pastor and, and the role of other spiritual leaders in our church is to warn you of the danger of disobedience. To warn you when you go down the wrong road. To warn you when you start to lean in the wrong direction. It's the hardest thing to do. Because we have our own issues. We have our own insecurities. We, we realize at times, who am I to say anything? And that's exactly what the enemy wants. But I have to tell myself when I kind of get in that role, who am I, God, who am I? He says, you're the pastor of that church, and I've entrusted them to you. That's who you are. And I've had some hard conversations over the years. They haven't all gone well. And I try to watch out. I really do. I try to watch out. I, I get on social media and I, and I watch and I, I see some of the things you post and I just, I don't know where that came from. I really don't. And then I pray, God, should I say something? Or when someone, I haven't seen someone in a long time. God has this amazing way of putting people on my radar. And then I call them. Where are you? Where you been? Ah, man, vacations, kids have been sick. Work. Okay. But where have you been? It's not healthy for you to be there. And some of the things I see, I see posted on social media, I have to call them and go, did you really mean to post that? Because do you know how it looks? Do you know how you look? And these are not easy conversations. But this is what we've been entrusted with as leaders, spiritual leaders. And what's your response? Well, your response, let me read to you from Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. This is your response. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that 
they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for, is it up there on the screen? For you. I can tell you it's unprofitable for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge. And, and all God's word is saying is, one, is to respect and love those who are laboring for you, who are seeking to do the very best to lead you as servants and who at times have to come in with accountability and admonish you. And what God's word says, do your very best to make that as easy as it can be because it's already hard. That's, that's what doing more of more is about. And it is challenging. And again, I realize I'm in a very unique position to say that. I'm just glad that's done and I'm gonna leave it between you and God. Okay? Moving on. Secondly, Notice that he made reference to warn. He says those who are irresponsible, he says to comfort the discouraged and help the weak. I just want to focus on the warning to those who are irresponsible. What's interesting is Paul is now taking out of or or, or adding to, I should say, hey, guess what? The fun of admonishing and warning people, it's not just for the spiritual leaders. It is for every follower of Jesus who has the back of every other follower of Jesus. We all get to have fun doing that. He says, warn those who are irresponsible. Now, who, what does he mean by irresponsible here? First off, very important to understand this. He's talking about Christians first. We're not to go outside of the church, outside of those who profess to be Christ followers and start saying, hey, where are you? What's going on? Why'd you do that? Why'd you say that? We're to go to those who profess followers of Jesus and we're to go to those who are irresponsible, which is a.k.a. a hot mess. You, you know, who, when someone's probably popped into your head, you know somebody who is a follower of Jesus and you've thought, man, they seem to be really struggling. Some of the words that are coming out of their mouths, mm, that just doesn't sound like what they used to sound like. I haven't seen them in forever. Man, I saw the way he talked to his wife. Yikes, that seems to be a pattern. What is going on? I mean, God takes the pain he feels for us as followers when we kind of get sideways and he, he, he gives it, he shares it with each of us. He says, you know him, you live next to her, you work with him, he respects you. I'm sharing this burden with you. Go warn them. Help them to come back into the fold. Now, you realize doing that that's confrontational. And there's a few, it's probably a bell curve. There's some of you at one end of the bell curve that go, I love confrontation. I love the debate. Let's go. And then there's others of you who go, I'm not saying nothing. There's no way I'm saying anything. And then there's the in-between like, I don't know what to say. I'm not sure how to say it, but I know I probably need to say it. And you just keep doing this thing. Well, confrontation is a part of being in the family. And, and it's not, you're not coming at them to spar. You're coming at them because I love you. And I realize in your head, you're thinking, they're going to say to me, who do you think you are? Don't judge me. Believe me, I've heard these things. To which I respond, I'm not judging you. Though you don't see it now, I'm loving you. I'm concerned for you. And, and my friends, until you can honestly be more concerned for them and what's happening to them than what you want to get off your chest, do not talk to them. 
They've got to know, because they're already going to be guarded. They've got to know that when you come to them and talk to them, they sense that it's hard for you. They sense an awkwardness. They sense some uncomfortableness about it. Because that, that will do a great deal to disarm the hard things you're going to say or the hard questions you're going to ask. And that is what it means to do more, is, is, is in helping hurting people. And we look for, for, for those who are followers of Jesus and we say, man, something just doesn't sound right. It just doesn't look good. Are you okay? I'm concerned for you. That's what it means to do more of more. And then he moves to verse 16. This was the hardest verse for me as I was preparing. This is the one that I wrestled with more than any of the other ones, and I don't know why, but I'll explain it to you why in a minute because I think there's other people like me. Rejoice always. To rejoice is to express joy. It is to express happiness. And we are to do it with regularity here. Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. And like I said, to rejoice is to express a feeling of joy, of deep down, deep, deep down pleasure and happiness. But here's the challenge. Paul, is, and, and this is not the only place that he does it, Paul is commanding an emotion. Like what if I said right now, be happy. How do I do that? It'd probably be easier if I said, be mad. Right, I mean, because you know, everything today is so polarizing and tribalism and everything else. But Paul is commanding an emotion. And I struggle with that. You've heard me say before, my wife has said to me, Kevin, you need to feel your feelings. I'm working on that. So I'm going to ask you a question as I ask myself the question. Are you happy right now? Is there a profound sense of joy in your life? I was asking myself that question going, I don't know. Am I supposed to feel something? God, is it okay if I say I'm not sad? No. No, I need more than that. I want you to know joy, not merely the absence of sadness. So are you happy? Are you happy right now? And I suspect, if you're like me, or similar, I find it easier to express to God my fears and frustrations than I do my joys and happiness. Because I'm a kind of person that goes on to the next thing. In other words, I like a challenge. Let's go get the challenge. Once the challenge is accomplished, boom, I'm already looking. What's the next one? What's the next one? And my wife has told me over the course of our lifetime, our marriage, I should say, almost our lifetime. We've been married almost as long as we've been alive. We met in the first grade. Uh, no, not quite that long ago. But um, she, she'll say, you, you need to celebrate things. And we, this kind of came out with the girls, you know, when they, when, they ha, when they would have these great accomplishments in athletics. I'm like, all right, let's get the next one. She's like, you need to celebrate that and, and be happy about that. And, and I struggle because I'm always on to the next thing. I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't think I just shot that out into a black hole in space. I think, I think you understand and can get that. But here's what I think all of us probably, just by virtue of the culture we live in, it's just the air we breathe. I think we're all moving too fast to really experience the joy and happiness that God wants for us. We're just moving too quickly. You see, the joy, to be able to rejoice regularly, requires that we stop 
If a, 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 an emotion is being commanded, well then, I've got to do some work to get where that becomes something that comes out of me. And the only way I know to do that, and this is the part I like, because I use my head typically first before I use my heart. A lot of times that works well, sometimes not so well. But what we have to do is we have to take the time to step back and think. Like, I, 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 I'm ahead of you. I, I had this week to really ask God, okay, what am I happy about? What am I joyful about? And I, I began to really try to think about those things so that I could really rejoice regularly. And how, how do we do that? Well, we do it in our prayers. We, we thank God for the things that we're just oozing with happiness about. When I think about joy, and when I was thinking about it this week, clearly in my mind was, was Nancy, my wife, with her grandchildren. It is unbelievable. She is smiling and laughing all the time. She, she, she's constantly saying, I just can't get enough of them. They're so cute. I just want to squeeze them to death. I mean, she just goes on and on incessantly about it, talking about it. I'm like, can you really like them that much? I just don't get that. But that, she oozes with joy about that. And, and, and I'm like, at some point I'm like, okay, I'm tapping out here. Well, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to ooze with it when we step back, when we encounter it and experience. And then what we do is we, we, in prayer, God, I'm so happy for this. I sense so much joy inside for this, your gift to me. Thank you. And then we do it corporately when we, when we, when we sing together, when we worship him. We're expressing with happiness and joy. And, we, and we're encouraging one another as we do it. So I think we all need to slow down if we ever really want to experience this, this, this joy and rejoice regularly from that joy. Next, verse 17, pray constantly. Uh, this is pretty quick. I, I think he, what he's saying is we need, to, we, just need, we need to keep talking with God. If you think of prayer is at that point where you pull away, you get on your knees, and you, you kind of have your list of things that you, you're going to ask him for. And maybe you might intercede for somebody else as well. But what God wants more of from all of us is he just wants an open conversation, a dialogue. As you go throughout your day, you're just sharing with him. God, look at that. That is awesome. God, you see that person over there? They're going through this. God, I'm about to go into a meeting, and I'm scared to death. God, thanks for a son today. Thank you. Feels so good. It's just a conversation. That's what he wants more of. Surely those times we pull away, no doubt. But he just wants from us an open dialogue. Just keep talking. He loves that. Now also it's, it's important corporately that we do that together. That the, when we have people come down front or, or we invite you to come up here and pray, I mean, that's encouraging. It's wonderful to be prayed for and it's wonderful to pray for someone. So we are to pray constantly to always be in conversation with God. Next, verse 18. He says, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What I want you to notice, there's a very important preposition in what I just read. Give thanks in everything. In everything. Do you know how we hear it typically? And let me just take you over to James chapter 1, something similar. James said, Consider it great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. In everything. How we hear it is that we're supposed to give God thanks for 
everything. Because everything includes tough times. Everything includes divorce. Everything includes a diagnosis of cancer. Everything includes I lost my job. And, and we get this idea that we're somehow we're, we're, we're supposed to paste these smiles on our faces like, God, thank you for that diagnosis. That's not what it says. That's foolish. That makes no sense. But we are, while we're in it, we are to look for the things that we can thank God for. I'll give you an, an example. It is, unfortunately, a part of the job is to see people at their worst when they have been diagnosed with cancer. I hate cancer. I hate it. But when I'm talking to someone who has it and it does not look good, and at some point hope turns into preparation for the life that is to come, and we can thank God right there and say, God, thank you, though the end of my life here is coming. I have eternity with you that awaits me. Try to, try to cope when, when you don't have that hope. When the person that's dying doesn't have that hope. When the family members and those that love that person don't have that hope. We can thank God for what he's done in Jesus for that. That is how we thank God, not for our circumstances, but in them. Knowing that God uses them and redeems them to grow in us a stronger faith, a stronger trust and commitment to him. God is sovereign over everything. And we have the promise of God that says that he will not let anything get to us without it being used for our benefit, for, to make us better and stronger. We can thank God in the midst of tough times for that. In giving and seeking from him more of more. And then lastly, verse 19 through 22. He says, don't stifle the spirit. Some of your translations say, don't quench the spirit. The word literally means extinguish now understand what's happening here. It is possible, and you, you heard me reading the quote of the, of the book, John Mark Comer's book, to, to, to quench the Spirit. You see, when you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God comes inside of you, and we have the Spirit of God to empower us, to strengthen us, to give us wisdom and patience and love and joy and peace and self-control and all the things that we really, and it's like an air hose. And when we don't do what he's previously just said, because this is a transition verse, so when he talked about rejoicing regularly and praying constantly, those kind, and thanking in the midst of things, all things, he's saying, if you don't do those things, and if you don't do what I'm about to say, he says, you're going to quench, you're going to extinguish the Spirit of God. You're going to step on your air hose. That which fills you up, that's which strengthens you, you're going to step on it. Don't do that. And specifically, verse 20, he says, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Prophecies are that which comes from someone who has the spiritual gift of prophecy. And the spiritual gift of prophecy is the ability not given to all Christians, but to some. And that is to speak for the future and to speak forth of the present. It is when God gives a person has a spiritual gift of prophecy to speak about something that's coming, be in preparation, warn them about what's coming. But it's also to speak a word of God about what is happening now, understanding what is happening now. 
And it's part of the body of Christ and the spiritual gifts that we're all given. And Paul is saying, don't despise those things. Don't turn away from them. But then he qualifies it. But test all things. We are, as we seek more of God, we have to understand that he's going to speak to us through certainly God's word as it's been codified and canonized. But he's also going to speak through people. And he says, don't extinguish the spirit of God and the truth that you need in your life. Don't step on your air hose, but test what comes out of those who speak about God. You should test what I teach you. I, I try my very best not to make mistakes, not to be in error, and, and more than likely, that has happened. It's not been intentional. But you need, to, you need to understand God's word in such a way that you can test it so that when you hear it, in other places, when your children hear it in other places, when they come to you and ask you about it, you know, no, no, that's not from God. Or yes, that is from God. But we're to test the things and hold on to the good and reject the bad. And we're to seek more of more in the testing of those things. Now, there it is. Let me circle back around to what I said at the beginning. I said, don't hear this religiously. Don't, as you wrote those things down, think, okay, I'm going to, with all effort and energy I have, I'm going to try to do all those things so that I can have the favor of God, I can have the, the happiness and, and the joy. No. This all comes on the other side of what Jesus has already done for you. You see, Jesus came and he lived the perfect life we could not. Perfectly. And then he allowed himself to be crucified with a substitutionary death so that God's judgment for the sin of all humanity was he absorbed it he took it for all of us and then God said you know the guy who said I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me that guy I'm going to raise him from the dead three days later so that you know he is the guy and when we put our faith and trust in him we have everything everything and out of having what we already realize we have in Christ, we then go and we live our lives and we honor God doing more of more, not to get from God because we already have. But we honor him. We please him. And in the process, as is always the case, God blesses us with the happiness and the peace because we've been wired to seek more of something and that something is to please God. So my challenge for us this week is to focus, please focus on one of these mores that I just talked about and make a plan and become a doer of God's word. I give you action steps every Sunday and I don't do it just to make myself happy. I do it so that you can put it into practice. And I can put it into practice. Because some of you listen and you nod your head at these things and you walk out thinking, okay, that was like, man, I really enjoyed that. And you forget everything the moment you get in your car. At best, I've been told, I have 72 hours of you remembering what I've said. How's that for job satisfaction in a sense? <laughs> but if you put into practice, listen to what James says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom, God's word, and perseveres in it, 
and is not forgetful here, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Be a doer. Pick one of them and be a doer. And I'll join you in that as well. God, thank you so much for your love for us and your patience with us. I pray your blessing, Lord God, as we continue to worship you and as you continue to take the words, your word, and drive them deep into our head and into our hearts, Lord God, may we be doers of your word. And may we seek, as you've wired us to be, doing more of more of pleasing you. In Jesus' name, amen.